Well, praise the Lord. What a joy to be here this morning. I want you just to take just a moment. We're going to be looking in Exodus chapter 2. I had plenty of time on the airplane to, to do some studying. You get 15 hours and you've done seen all the Rambo movies there are. There's not a lot, a lot, not a lot left to do. And I got to thinking, maybe we preachers have, have expected probably way yonder too much. Uh, because usually preachers preach on the Proverbs 31 lady. And uh, I got thinking on that plane. Now, I love my wife dearly. But she ain't no Proverbs 31 woman. <laughs> and I don't know of anybody in here that is. And I thought, you know, this is kind of like those conventions you go to, preacher. You go and see how somebody built a church running 5,000 in 30 days, and you sitting here, people get mad the way you make announcements. So maybe we've ex just said, you know, now, now those virtues in Proverbs 31 are wonderful, and different ladies have different ones. But I want to tell you, uh, I, the more I studied that, buddy, we're going to have to be in heaven for any if some of that stuff happens. So I want to reverse back and go back to a typical woman, Jacobed, Jacobed, however you want to pronounce it. You go to Israel and everything you thought you knew how to pronounce, they pronounce it differently over there. But we're going to be in Exodus chapter 2. But before we're there, if you're here today and your mama's here, I don't care where she is in here, I want you to get up right now out of your seat and go grab her by the hand and say, I love you, mama. Just take just a moment to do that. She may be sitting next to you. She may be all the way across the auditorium. I love you, Mama. I'll teach you to go to that back row. <laughs> I was telling the ladies earlier, one of the first Mother's Day that I greeted mothers, I stood up in church and I said, I want every one of, every single lady to stand up. And they all just looked at me. And my wife said, they're married. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> you got to watch how you say that single lady. Thank God for single ladies. Thank God for married ladies. Thank God for women who've not had any children. That's not always God's plan. I want to tell you, God's got a plan for every one of us, and I praise God for it. Exodus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, <clears throat> all-sufficient word? Thank you for praying for us uh, while we were gone. We left uh, Tel Aviv about 8.35, 9 o'clock that morning, and they started bombing that night. So we got out. Your prayers just got us here safely and no problem at all. We praise in the Lord. Exodus 2, verse 1. There went a man of the house of Levi, took to wife a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that she was a, uh, he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein, and 
She laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off, that was Miriam, to witness what would be done to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. Her maidens walked along by the river's edge. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I call and go and find thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? Verse 8, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I'll give thee thy wages. The woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew. She brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, as she said, because I drew him out of the water. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the time we have this morning. Speak to our hearts. May the Holy Spirit continue to just open the gates of heaven as you've already done in the earlier part of the service. You be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, this is such a, a tremendous story here in the Word of God. Not only, uh, I mean, you, the, the king of Egypt had said now uh, the babies are born two years and younger, or all if they're boys, they're going to be killed. Now, I know scientists are trying to figure this out today, and some of them, bless their hearts, God love them, have just not been able to figure out what many of us have known for many years. It takes a male and a female to make another person. Scientists are trying to figure that out. They're not sure about that. I saw, uh, some of you saw it, I'm sure, because you watch Fox like a hawk. It was a lady on Fox that was saying now that when you go in to change your little newborn baby, you need to ask that baby's permission to do it. Anybody see that? Amen. I thought, dear Lord. Uh, but what we know, and let me tell you, the king of Egypt knew also, and the population was growing tremendously. So he said the best way to stop the population is to kill every young person, two years and younger. So when the midwives were delivering the babies, if they were a boy, they were to be killed. Now, Moses, of course, was born. She hid him, the Bible says, three months. I've seen some of you, you bring your little newborns in here, and there's no problem whatsoever. They, they're just sweet as they can be. But along about that third, fourth, fifth month, you know, they begin to rattle the cage. They begin to make noise. Reminds me of that baby screaming, going out. And I told the lady that uh, the baby wasn't bothering me. Don't, don't worry about that. She said, you're bothering my baby. And so out <laughs> she went. The Bible says he began to get to the place where she couldn't cover him anymore. And so she made a little ark. I pitched it with tar. Put that little baby out in the rushes there, the weeds. And Miriam stood over. Let me tell you how good God is. Not only did God save the baby's life, but the devil had to pay the nurse to raise the baby. And it was his own mother. That's how good God is. 
Three simple things I want you to understand this morning and then we're through. First of all, Jochebed faced distractions. She had a lot of distractions. Every mother in this room today has faced distractions. She's noticing what's happening in Egypt there in chapter 1. and She's worried about her, her baby as it's coming due and all of those distractions that she's being uh, put under there. And She's wondering, is it a boy? See, they didn't have any blue balloons to blow up or any pink balloons or, or pinatas or any of that stuff. You just had to wait till the day it got there. And there she realized it's a little baby boy, realizing that the decree is that he must be killed. Boy, the distractions that that mama must have gone through. Egypt was polytheistic. That means there were gods everywhere. She's trying to raise a God that loves the Jehovah God with all of his heart while there are gods on every corner. Children were sacrificed in Egypt to the gods. There was godliness all around. And I want to tell you, if you've got a baby just like one of these we've dedicated this morning, there's going to be distractions in our world today all around. There are problems. We hear today that there's no absolute truth. No real absolute truth. Well, that's remarkable. My mom and daddy had an absolute truth. It was called a belt. And you didn't argue with it, but that's all right. You go ahead and raise your kids however you want to. I'll visit them in the pen next 15 or 20 years. Because that's what we'll do if you do not discipline your children. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you what, that's what the Word of God says. So you, you, you do whatever you want to do. I'm just going to give you the truth. Abortion on every side today. People who don't want to have children are aborting them by the millions. Broken homes and blended families and gender confusion and all of the difficulties. There are all kinds of distractions. And Jochebed faced those distractions when this baby was born. How do you do it? <laughs> How does a mama do it when she realizes she's got a little boy and realizes that the decree is that he be killed? I'll tell you how she does it, mama, just like you all have done it. She gets on her face before God and cries out to a holy God. Say, God, have mercy. God, have grace. God, would you show me the way? When I can't see the way, would you show me the way? There's absolute truth. Children are struggling all over with issues like bullying. You want to know why we didn't have a whole lot of bullying when we was growing up? Because the teacher had the responsibility to take a board and beat the living daylights out of somebody. It's amazing what that'll do for bullies. It's amazing how far we've come. We've got children struggling with that and we've got children struggling with what to eat. I know this is not popular, but I tell you, it's Mother's Day. You ought to buy your kid the biggest ice cream you can find somewhere. Put some chocolate on top of it with some whooping cream and a cherry right in the middle of it. And they can get the broccoli when they get to school tomorrow. And if y'all don't know how to do that, if you'll call some of us grandparents, we'll show you how to do that. Amen. There's distractions, but in the midst of, of all the distractions, we still got to raise our children. 
in the midst of all of the evil and corruption that is all around us, we've still got to go forward. We can't lock ourselves in a house. I'll never forget the day that we brought our first one home, Jeremy. We'd been in the ICU with him for three months. I was at a youth camp in Lone Star. Becky was pregnant. I had taken her to Shreveport for a vacation. Uh, the vacation was she was going to stay with her mother, and I didn't have to stay that week. <laughs> I was doing a youth camp, and they called me on a Wednesday night and said, you, you better come quickly. She's fixing to have a baby. I said, she can't have a baby. She's three months too early. But she had a baby. Boy, it was tough. It was tough hearing a doctor say, don't even tell your wife that, that the, the boy's going to have to have his leg amputated because he's not going to live through the night. He weighs two and a half pounds. We're going to do surgery, and there's no way in the world he's going to live through it. But because of his mean-spirited character, <laughs> he went right on through it. No, because of the hand of God. We brought him home that first night. Mm. The day that we brought him home, he quit breathing in Becky's arms. He weighed 4.8 ounces, and I said, he's not ready to go home. They said, he's going home today. He's ready. I said, he quit breathing here. He's, he's ready. He's ready. So we put him in our room in that little bassinet that first night. Every time he'd gasp, we'd jump straight up in bed. We didn't sleep at all. The next morning, we decided that we would put him in his room. We had trusted God this far, and we were going to continue to trust God. Amen? Now I want to tell you, I, without God, it's impossible to raise these kids, guys. I mean, you're, you're, you're missing it. When you leave God out of your life, you've taken a big part out of your child's life. This mother, can you imagine a little three-month-old baby pushing out in the Nile River? But she's going to have to trust God. She's going to have to trust God. She faced distractions, but she also had great determination. She, she displayed it. Acts 7.20, the Bible says, it was at this time that Moses was born. He was lovely in the sight of God. He was nurtured three months in his father's home. She was determined. Jochebed hid him for three solid months until the time came to where she was not able to hide him anymore. And they thought they were going to have to kill the baby, so she hid the child. And, and I want to tell you, mamas are still sheltering their children today. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Some of them are being sheltered by homeschooling. Some being sheltered by private school. Some being sheltered by public school. But they still go forward. Mothers still want to know how a child's day went that day. They still want to get up in the middle. If a little boy's having a fight with a little, another little boy, they want to, the mama going to be in the middle of it. That's wrong, mama. Let them fight. They'll go ahead and get it out of their system, and it'll be over with, and they can move on. I tell you, my kids driving up, growing up, I was a taxi driver. I, I was one of those that proposed that people who are 13 years old ought to have their driver's license. <laughs> Not because I thought they was ready for it, but I just thought, bless God, they need to go carry their self around. 
Ah, I remember as we carried our kids to school, of course, Becky's crying. I'm saying, hallelujah, and the glory. <laughs> and I'm thinking, praise the Lord. I said, babe, they're going to be all right. You know how I know they're going to be all right? Because my wife put determination inside those kids. I saw that. Let me tell you, I didn't raise my two boys. My wife raised my two boys. You say, well, preacher, you shouldn't admit that. Well, I'm just telling you the truth. The reason I've been able to be in the ministry and go and do like I have is because of the woman that has taken the responsibility to be my wife. Every church we've ever gone to, does your wife play the piano? Nope. She doesn't do WMU either. She takes care of me. And when she takes care of me, I can, I can go and minister. After a while, you let them go. You remember that first night when they've gone? Man, so peaceful. The house is empty. And then about two or three weeks later, maybe three months, we, we want to move back. No, 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 no. It don't work like this. I'm asking you this morning, mom and daddy, put some determination in your kids' hearts because they're going to come to a school. It may be in the elementary school that's teaching same-sex marriage now all over America. It may be in a college and you've protected them and sheltered them all their life, but they're going to be in a, in a professor's class someday, and he's going to say, there's no such thing as Jesus. And if you haven't put that determination in their heart, they'll fall for the evils of this world. Distractions are everywhere. But she displayed this determination. Let me give you the last point. She instilled a dedication. She instilled it. She puts him in a basket. Pharaoh's daughter didn't know Joseph had come down and saw the basket, heard the baby crying. You know the story. And the word Moses means to be drawn of water. And they came over and looked and said, it's a Hebrew child. Uh, you can tell the difference between a Hebrew and an Egyptian without any problem there. So she's politically incorrect, but she said it's a Hebrew child. Miriam's watching there. She said, would you like for me to go find somebody to nurse your baby for you? I know some folk. And she goes and gets Moses, his own mother. I don't know how long she did uh, nurse him. Uh, hmm. It may have been months. It may have been years. But I tell you, I think she taught him some things based on what his decisions were in life. I think, first of all, we need to be telling our children who God is. Because there's a lot of people in this world telling them who God's not. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Oh, but there's many other different ways you can get there. No, there's not. Our children need to know that. And our young people need to know that. Our college students need to know that. There's no other way but Jesus. 
I think she was telling them who God is. And she would say, Moses, you, you, don't, you don't understand all this, but God has been with us, and God has, has been through Adam and Eve, and God created the heavens and the earth and all of these things. And she continually was telling them who God is. But let me tell you the second thing. Not only do you need to tell your children who God is, you need to tell your children who they are. They're children of the Most High King. God didn't have your children born to be raised in bondage and sin. He has delivered them. And you need to tell your child, hey, you're not some bum out here on the street. And I'm not trying to be ugly to bums. I'm, I'm just, I should have said something different. Somebody's going to nail me one of these days. For, uh, what I'm saying is, you teach your child that God created them and that they were born and God has a purpose for their life. And let me just tell you this. Quit telling your children they can do whatever they want to do in life. You're an American. You can do anything. No, you can't. I want to be an NBA star, but I've got a little problem here. <laughs> what you can do is what God has called you to do. And when you begin to tell your children this is who your God is and this is who you are, then suddenly they begin to jail together. And then you just kind of sing, what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Parents, it's all right if your children know that you failed. We try to cover that up. But I want to tell you, we blow it. Families are not perfect. Parents are not perfect. They need to know when you mess up, you confess up and then give them positive words and they see your example. I was in the half of the class that made the top half possible. <laughs> I heard... Uh, Dr. Patella at Stephen F. Austin University say one day that you're to love your A students because they'll come back and teach for you. You're to love your B students because they'll come back and teach for you too. But you're to love your C and D students because they'll come back and build science buildings for you. Some of y'all way more educated. Some of y'all less educated, but God has used you where you are. See, we're not all alike. Be careful that you don't just praise what your children do, but encourage them to be what they are. L let them be what they are. Old Moses was in the Nile River Country Club, living in the palace. Pharaoh's daughter had it made. Had it made. But there was a day when they said, Moses, we're ready to move you on up. And you're going to become someone special in Egypt. And Moses said, uh, <clears throat> time out. I, I can't do that. You see, my God's not your God. Where do you hear that? I think it was that dear little old mother that used to whisper in his ear, there's only one God. The Lord thy God. There's only one God. And he said, I can't, I can't go with your way. I, I have to. He, <laughs> bless God, he's got a Mercedes chariot. 
He's got the meals of a king. He's got everything. And he walks away from all of that to serve the Lord thy God. Where'd he get that? I'm telling you, I think he got it from his mama whispering it in his ear. I know we can't take the Ten Commandments anymore to the government places that are not legal there. They're not legal in our schools anymore. Well, let me ask you. I don't dare answer. But to me, I'm just talking about to an old dumb country preacher. It's kind of kind of hypocritical to want to have the Ten Commandments down at the courthouse and to want to have them at the schoolhouse and not have them in your own house. We've got a copy of them. I don't know if y'all remember years ago, there was a group, it was a scam. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Some of y'all probably made money with it. It was called Home Interior. And these ladies would have these parties, and they'd serve them tuna fish sandwiches and and little dainty cookies, and they'd cut the crest off the bread and everything, and they'd sell Home Interior. Anybody got a Home Interior Ten Commandments? Or you've seen one, you've had them, you've had them, amen. I don't care where you get them. You need to go to Hobby Lobby and buy one down there. Hobby Lobby, that old boy, Mr. Green, is just solid as a rock. And literally, they've tried to take everything. If you go to Washington, D.C. now, Hobby Lobby has funded the Bible Museum, three stories, sitting in the middle of Washington, D.C. No tax money, nothing. He just said, I think the Word of God ought to be in the middle of our country. Wow. So I'm just telling you, go down to Hobby Lobby. Or go wherever you want to go. I don't only think we ought to hang them in our house. I think we ought to memorize them. Now, preacher, my, my mind's not what it used to be. No, thank goodness. Aren't you glad you can forget some things? Praise God. I think about all the things that I've prayed in my life. God, I need this. I've got to have this. But God didn't give it to me. What a blessing. What a blessing. Babe, I'm going to get killed. Come, come, come up here. Come, up. come on up here. This is Mother's Day. We're relaxed. I've watched these hands go on top of a little boy's head and pray for that little boy. I've watched these hands take a cold wash rag and put over a little boy's head to knock the fever away. I've uh, watched these hands Digging in the dirt with kids. I saw my mother's hands, and it'll be Becky's hands or my hands, depending on who dies first. 
but I saw a set of hands like this on the side. of a husband's face and saying, it's going to be all right, baby. It's going to be all right. I've seen these hands protect our family. I've seen these hands. Now, she don't cook a whole lot now, but she used to cook a whole lot. <laughs> she fixed me salmon croquettes every week for 10 years before she found out I didn't like them. That's the truth. But bless God, I ate them. Let me tell you, young people who've just been married, if your wife cooks you something, you just keep your mouth shut and eat it. Amen? I've seen these hands do one of two remedies. We always had two remedies at our house. One of them was red called Mercurochrome. The other one was called Methylate. I've seen these hands distribute that. And I've seen these hands wrap around me and say, hey, it's going to be all right. We're going to make it. We're going to get through this. Thank you, babe. Now the... Okay. I don't know if I told you the title of the sermon or not. Did I tell you all that? See, I preached this earlier and I told him the title. The title of this sermon is When Does Mama Get Paid? When Does Mama Get Paid? Have you ever heard your mama say, when, when you'd say, well, mama, I need a dollar and a half because I mowed the yard. Well, when does mama get paid? Huh? I want to tell you how mama gets paid. When they roll her in that delivery room and she hears a cry and that swaddle that little child, lays that baby on her chest, ka-ching, she got paid. When she sees those little fat fingers at three or four years old for the first time at a meal, put those hands together to pray. ka she got paid. When she's sitting in a pew and a pastor's standing down front and a little boy or a little girl steps out to walk down to the front and that mother sees that child make that profession of faith, there's no money that can pay for that. Then when she sees that child walk through those baptismal waters, man, she got paid. When she sees that child living for Christ, as many of our young people, I see them taking stands, and she sees them living for Christ in a crooked culture, standing alone if they need to be, that mama got paid. When she sees that young adult outgrow the need for public attention. We've got one coming, little Charlie. When she sees him outgrow that need for public attention 
and he decides he can be the man or woman God wants him to be. Ka-ching, that mama got paid. When that mother sees that child walk down the aisle of this church and take the hand of a man or a woman and say, I do, she got paid. And then they watch that young couple come to church and drop their tithe in the offering plate. I was able to take a tithe over at Arabella. We've got a, a member of this church that's been there and hadn't been able to be here in two years, but every month. She said, I want my tithe in there today. Don't you forget it, preacher. Put it in there today. It's in the offering plate today. When Mother's Day rolls around and that phone rings and she picks it up and hears somebody say, Mama, I want you to know I love you. Ka-ching. Maybe it's a card. Maybe it's flowers. Maybe it's a Cracker Barrel card. <laughs> and then that phone rings and she says, we're coming over, Mama. What do you mean, we? And she's got the hand of this one she's going to marry. And then the next phone call, you know, Mama just wants you to know we're expecting. That Mama says, oh, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. See, grandkids should have come before kids. And one day, you'll walk by, and you'll see your mama in a box here. And you'll know she's in the presence of Jesus. The last breath here is to be in the first breath with Jesus. And hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's how that mama got paid. Money can't buy it. I think everybody needs three homes. We need an earthly home. Say, preacher, I'm single. I don't care if you are single. Make your apartment your home. Make it a place where people are welcome. Make it a place that's happy. We had an old preacher tell us 45 years ago, always keep your living room clean because when people come by, and they come by the parsonage often, it's not a parsonage now, but we've always lived in one. There's always one room that you can show. And they all say, whoo, you keep a house so neat. Just dare don't open the door. <laughs> Just dare don't open the door. We need a place we can call home. Not only does everybody need a home, we need a church home. Some folk don't think that. When you go through things like funerals and different things and a church family standing with you and praying with you and they've got things covered you didn't even think about. Need an earthly home. Need a church home. And I want to tell you, we need an eternal home. A home not built with man's hands, but a home that's built by God and God above. You say, preacher, how do you do that? You get prepared by calling on the name of the Lord. I don't care how good a carpenter you are, you can't build your mansion in heaven. Jesus has already gone to do it. 
You've got to come to a place in your life when you say, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I want you to come into my heart and forgive me and make me a Christian. Lord, I ask you to save me today. You pray that. Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jochebed, she's not a big player. <laughs> You've, you won't even find her name outside of this narrative right here. You've got to look to somewhere else in another book to even find out who she is. Oh, but when that boy of hers went up on that mountain and handled the Ten Commandments, what a wage she made that day. What a wage she made that day. There's three peaks in church attendance. It's just a known thing. One of them is Easter. One of them is Christmas. But the third one is Mother's Day. There'll be more phone calls made today. You know, I, you, you see these football players and all, they never say, I love you, Daddy. It's always, I love you, Mama. <laughs> Do y'all notice that? Mamas are special. There's a lot of distractions in this world today. But I'm asking you today, Mom, Dad, young person, child, would you be determined that you're going to live for God? That you're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? And then would you dedicate the rest of your life? See, the great thing about uh, coming to Jesus, I mentioned it yesterday at Brother Bob's funeral, is our future does not depend upon our past. It really doesn't matter how you came in here today. I'm telling you, if you meet with Jesus and the Holy Ghost meets with you, you can walk out of here a changed person, a different person. Lord, thank you today for the joy to be in your house. We're asking you to do some things today, Lord. There's some folk in this place. Mama's been praying for them for years and years. Grandmama's been praying for them. And today they're here. They've heard the word of God. And I'm praying, God, by the blood of Jesus, that today would be their day of salvation. They'd call that mama, that grandmother back and say, I got saved today. Lord, there are those that need a church home. I pray that if it's your will, they come. God, you, you bring them where they need to be. If it's not here, then God, you guide them and direct them to the church that you want them to be in. But Lord, somewhere you've got a place for them. You've got a service for them. And then, Lord, maybe there's some in this place today that they know they're saved, but they've just kind of slipped back. And today, they'd be willing to come and just kneel at this altar and say, Lord Jesus, I'm coming home. I want to work for you and serve you. Lord, would you let your will be done? It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Brother Jason's here. Brother Case is here. I'll be here at the front. We're going to stand. Brother Aaron's going to lead us. I'm going to ask you to right now, step out. Come meet one of us right now. Come on, right now.